Welcome to the A Better Way to Farm podcast, where we share serious secrets about profitable farming. We appreciate you taking the time to join us, and we hope that you'll love the knowledge we share not only with you today, but also in future episodes. So let's get right into it. Hey everyone, Tyler here, field agronomist with A Better Way to Farm, where we spend each and every day providing solutions to farmers to grow better crops and to make more money. I hope you're having a great day and thank you for tuning in to our podcast. We appreciate the time you give us not only here on this platform, but also on our Facebook page. On today's episode, we've invited a grower that's also a part of our sales team to tell his story. He farms with his father, his uncle, cousin, and no, it's not my buddy Nick, who's been on a few of these podcasts. Tyler is a part of the team and uh, he's been here for a couple years now has already managed to uh, snag some pretty cool results. So I'm super excited to have Tyler Jenke on here. So thank you, Tyler, for joining us. How you doing today, bud? Pretty good. How you doing this morning, Tyler? Not too bad, man. I've got my Broncos mug and my coffee going. It's National Coffee Day today. So I've already had my three cups, and I think there's two more cups waiting for me. <laughs> what about yourself? Well, good. I'm not a coffee drinker, but I, I got my morning sugar rush and a Dr. Pepper. That's kind of my <laughs> go-to when I'm feeling down. So got one of those in me and ready to roll this morning so that's awesome man so we'll get right to it so I obviously know your story you know that's one of the nice things about what we do is that I obviously work directly with you but go ahead and tell the the listeners to this podcast just a little bit about yourself well uh, like you said I I farm with my dad my uncle and my cousin Uh, we farm about 2100 acres between seven and 800 acres is, is seed corn production you know in rotation every other year with soybeans and uh, mostly just real crop, no cattle or anything like that. Awesome. So, and like I said, you've been a part of the Better Way to Farm team for a couple of years now, right? I think it's two, it'll be, will it be three coming up? Going on three in January. Yep, yeah, yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I thought. What are some of the most exciting things that you've kind of had to learn, you know, in the in the last three years? You know, you, you kind of came to us, and we'll get to that story in a second, but, you know, what are some of the just quick little touches that that you've been kind of excited about over the last three years about what we've done to kind of help you move your guys' operation? Well, the reason I I like your guys' program and the things you do is it's not just NPK. You attack the limiting factors, the micronutrients, and, uh, you know, you listen to guys like Hula and Dowdy talk, and that's what they talk about is, is chasing these higher yields, is going after you know, your limiting factors. And it's not just putting on tons of phosphorus or tons of K. It's addressing those micronutrients and, you know, especially boron in our area because we're really sandy and, and it, it leaches away from us. So uh, that's one of the nutrients that we uh, started to attack the past yeah. couple of years and seen pretty good results so far. Yeah, absolutely. So then to kind of touch base before that, what did you guys do? I know you're part of a family farming operation. So, you know, when you started to figure out, oh, okay, this is how we put fertilizer on and, and this, uh, what did that kind of look like up until the point when you jumped on board with us? We were all dry fertilizer, all MAP. You know, the, the co-op came and applied it. You know, they charged us eight bucks an acre to go over all of our acres and yep. and dry spread everything. Everything was, you know, grid sampled and and the co-op would just handle all of our wrecks for us. Well, I mean, we, we did some inferral stuff with a starter that the co-op had, but it was, it was sugar and some, uh, a little bit of zinc and stuff like that. So, so what was it then um, three years ago or, or so that kind of made you say, you know what, 
I'm going to reach out to these guys on their, their Facebook page. They're doing something that I like or whatever. Kind of what was that moment that you said, hey, I'm, I'm going to reach out to these guys and, and see if we can do something with them or see what they're all about? Honestly, our seed corn agronomist was concerned about our soil levels. Not really mining, but uh, we're not building our phosphorus levels with the dry program. And so he was concerned about that. So I was like, we need to do something different. We need to ban more nutrients in the row to try to give that plant off to a better start. So that's kind of why we looked in a different direction away from the dry. I love it. I remember that conversation, but your arm was twisted pretty hard in taking a look at what we did when you when you reached out to us. Because I know that we, you know, I, like I said, I was able to uh, work with you directly. What were kind of some of those first thoughts or, or kind of some of those first things that that you guys tried and you said, you know what, this kind of makes sense. I want to take a look at these products or, you know, whatever. What was some of that first stuff that you tried? Well, we started with WEX. We did a lot of 215-19 in the furrow, yep. manganese and zinc. And I seen about a 10 to 15 bushel difference from the co-op starter to this starter. Yep. So that was a telling story right there is, is we need to look more into this and, and try to expand this on more of our acres. Yeah. And going back to that, Wex, I was hoping that you were going to mention that because to me, you have a unique story and, and you don't tell it enough. So I'm going to beat you over the head right now in front of us and everybody. But tell your Wex story about pulling posts when you're uh, picking up irrigation. Yeah. So we have a lot of heavy ground in our area. It's gravity. So we have to cultivate and hill that soil. And a lot of the times, if it's wet at all, it'll slab. It'll come up in big chunks when you're cultivating it. When I was cultivating it, I noticed that it wasn't doing that. It was flowing and, and making a nice ridge. And that way it was allowing my water to get through. But then after I pulled my pipe apart and I had my T-post in the ground, usually you got to work those back and forth and you almost need a payloader to pull them out of the ground. I basically pulled them out one-handed. So I yeah. attribute that to the wax. It made the, the soil nice and mellow, nice and soft. And you just have to think, what does that allow my roots to do? with my corn if the yep. soil is nice and mellow and soft like that. So everything, it just kind of makes sense to me. Yeah. And, you know, the one nice thing in your operation is that you're able to kind of show your old man as well. You're able to show your dad, hey, you got to come check this out, man. This, something's different. And the only thing different that we've done so far is really the WEX side of things. Yeah, you had maybe tried a little bit different starter fertilizer mix, but you really hadn't seen the results yet when you were pulling those posts out of the ground and when you were ridging everything up and hilling everything up. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I know that that's one thing, you know, one of the challenges that you have is that because there's a family or multifamily operation, it's not just you making the decisions and certainly not just you, you know, that has to convince yourself, you have to convince others. And I know that sometimes <laughs> can be a challenge. Right. So that first year in, and I'll probably have to tell the story a little bit, but you saw some results with the WEX and, and you kind of alluded to it a little bit ago, but when you use the co-op starter versus the, the 215-19 that we recommend, what were those results and what was your experience, you know, now that you're one year into the program? Well, I mean, the combine always tells the story, you know, sometimes you can't visually see it with the eye, but the combine will tell the true story. I don't know, when I finally got it out of the co-op, what was actually in their starter, I believe it was like a 960, you know, it didn't have any potassium in it. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've talked about potassium early in the plants, very important. You got to have your, your K to N ratio correct. I guess I don't know if you're alluding to it, Tyler. <laughs> no, that's, that's not a problem. Yeah, that's not a problem, dude. 
So, you know, earlier you mentioned it, in glancing, and I thought it was funny, but you picked up basically 10 to 12 bushels that you were seeing, right? Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, that to me is a story in itself. When you look at, you know, different starter fertilizers, you know, a lot of people in R215-19 isn't like a big secret. We're basically just taking some 318-18, we're mixing it with another product and we're getting this 215-19-3. It's got a little bit of sulfur in it, but it's, you know, nothing crazy or fancy or anything like that. There's a lot of people that sell 918-9, 318-18, whatever. But the difference is, you know, the quality of the product and what we're actually using. You know, we're using, you know, virgin acids, you know, stuff that's not spent. You know, we're using products that are food grade. So, you know, that beautiful Dr. Pepper that you're drinking this morning has, you know, food grade phosphoric acid in it. Yes. And that's the same yes. thing that you're using, that you're putting in furrow to make sure that you're maximizing the efficiency of that crop. Now, the other story that I'm going to go ahead and tell, unless you want to, I guess I'll give you a chance, but um, you did go whole hog, as I call it, on your farm yourself. You've got your own ground. And so on your own ground, you did decide to do the full program. So I guess my first question is, when you look at what we do different, you kind of mentioned it as well as that we look at more of the micros and stuff. So talk about that, that soil sampling that you did. Really, it runs through the Conklin system and you get those recommendations back. And kind of talk about those recommendations and what you did to your cornfield that first year. And then I want to be honest, but I want to talk about the weather event that happened and then the, the yield and the story of the adjuster that came out and, and the yield that followed. So I know that's kind of a loaded question, but, but start with those, those soil tests and everything. Okay. Well, I believe we soil test in the spring that year because I, I opened my account in January. But it was very simple. I, I did a simple soil test. I went around and, and probed. I think it was 50 probes and uh, put all the soil in a bag and sent it off to Midwest Labs. And then they kicked me back um, recommendations. And it's totally different than what the co-op was recommending because they weren't even testing for boron. They weren't testing right. for copper. You know, they even have those things in, in their soil test. So to get those back and see like, wow, you need uh, 90 ounces of boron, you know, and 12 ounces of copper. Mm-hmm. Like that was kind of eye opening to me. And so I'm able to, with the startup program, I'm able to reallocate my dollars from NPK into boron and these, these other limiting factors. So what happened through the season, I had a hail event at uh, probably V4, V5, stripped it up pretty good. I planted a uh, 33,000. I think I had a final stand later, at like 27, 28,000 yeah. is what the hail adjuster came out and said. So but, I think it was like a 15 or 20% loss is I think he would have gave me. Right. So, but what, what was the story before, right? You counted and you counted and he kept coming up with about 30% loss. Right. And then he right. walks back to the truck and he says, no, that sounds too high. You know, other, everybody else in the area was 10 to 15%. Your 30% sounds too high. So Instead of doing thirty percent, we're just going to go do fifteen percent, right? <laughs> yeah, we. I kind of went round and round with him and my insurance company, but it, and it ended up working out. Long story short, it still ended up averaging like two thirty. Yeah, you know, yep. with a with a seventeen eighteen percent loss. Yeah, and I think my APH on that farm is like two fifty five two sixty. Yeah, so. but had we been able to to capture that, that 30% loss, like you guys had counted up, we both agree that, that you probably would have had, 
some yields that on that field, you know, the calculated yields would have been more than you'd ever seen. And, and that was something that you were working, you know, through the co-op, you'd been working and working about achieving higher yields. And they couldn't do anything. And had that hail event not happened, we might've been able to knock it out of the park year one. Yeah. Yeah. And again, what you just mentioned is uh, I was with the co-op and I felt like I hit a plateau, you know, I was at that 265, 270. And it, all they were doing is putting on more P and K and it wasn't changed anything. I was still at that 265, 270. And that's, that's kind of what led me to you guys again is, is changing going after something else. Yep. So in between, well, and I think the year one, right when you first started, we were able to get you to two day fundamentals of agronomy, but I know that you came to some after that harvest as well. So talk about that experience going to that training program that's offered in the account package that, you know, you set up your wholesale account so you can buy products wholesale instead of retail. But another benefit of opening up your wholesale account is those two-day fundamentals of agronomy. So when you went and checked that out, what was your experience spending two days at a basically an, an agronomy training? Well, they, they funny you guys talk about going to the first day. It's like drinking from a fire hose. You know, it's mm-hmm. all this information at once. And you can try to take bits and parts from that and try to apply it to your operation. But going a second or third time to me is when those really start to hit home and you yep. really start to take a lot of them in is when you go back. But also to me, meeting with the other growers that are there and visiting with them in the community and balancing ideas off of each other and, hey, what worked for you? What, what are you doing next? Or what are you going to try different? To me, yep. that's a big part of that as well is, is meeting the other growers at these pro ads. So, and I don't even know if I actually know the answer to this. I'm going to put you on the spot because I'm curious. What's been, I would say, your coolest moment about going to, and, and you've been to a couple other corporate trainings as well. Like I mentioned, you're on the sales side. So there's some things you got to do on the sales side to kind of keep refreshed and stuff. But now that you've been here for three years, kind of what's the coolest experience you've had at, at one of the meetings? I would have to say uh, meeting the owner of Conklin, Charles Richter. Yeah. Yeah, and oh, yeah, you know, we did that down to dinner with Rod and and you guys. I think you know, like I said, I, I love talking to people. Yep. Love love visiting with them. And that's what I to me. That's you can gain the most from talking to other people and sharing your experiences. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, you go to that. that normally, the owner, uh, Mr. Herbster, will go to the Conklin Business Seminars that are held generally every month. And yeah, he I, I totally forgot about that. He took us out to eat, and there's a big group mm-hmm. of us. And yeah, that was a good time. I, I totally forgot. But that's one of the cool things about. The other side of Conklin is that, you know, it's not Bayer who's, you know, a German-based company or, you know, even, you know, now Corteva, I guess it used to be DuPont, but, you know, that Corteva's, granted, it's a U.S. company, but it's still a, a large corporation. That's one of the things about the Conklin company is that the owner's from Fall City, Nebraska. And so I'm assuming he's getting your vote, right, by the way? <laughs> yes. Yeah. He's, I know he he's came to our July 4th parade. I didn't know he was going to be there. And he this big old, you know, horses and he had the whole spiel and yep. <laughs> shook his that's hand and everything. That was just cool. That's pretty cool. But yeah, that's, that's one of the things that I can, can really appreciate about the Conklin Company. But you've gone to the trainings, you've tried some products. Now we're starting to get into to year two. So you've had a, another couple interesting things that happened year two, but you're starting to get familiar with the system. Dad, uncle, cousin, they're, they're trying to get on board and we're doing some more things. So kind of talk us through a little bit different approach that you took this year and kind of some of the things that you did this year and, and some of the things that you've seen so far. I know that we're just into harvest, 
but I know you guys do some seed production and stuff as well that you've kind of just been able to see things when harvest rolls around, we'll know the final results, but. Well, one of the things I've been kind of wanting to change is, is going after foliar feeding, especially on soybeans. I really want to try to push those soybeans as hard as I can. I know, I know it's an extra trip to go over the field, but to put in a 215-19 with some manganese and some boron and go over them soybeans and try to push them late, especially in August, if you can get through the field if they're not full of canopy, you know, putting in some feast XL and, and a fungicide, I'm mean, doing that as well. So uh, those are the things I'm trying to chase and push and yep. the things that I'm, I'm getting my dad and my uncle convinced of, you know, hey, we have to, if we're going to make an extra pass, we have to put this in there with it just trying to get that extra 10 to 15% of the higher yields and trying to push, especially on our better ground. Yeah. So I'm going to go back to your seed corn first off, because I know, especially with your dad, uh, I remember talking to him and he's like, he's like, look, Tyler's like, I don't know if I feel comfortable doing this on the seed, you know, because the seed corn is very lucrative if it works out in your favor, but it's also damaging. If you do something wrong, you know, that, that's going to sting it at night when you try to go to bed. So, you know, I know that was a huge conversation that we had between the three of us is, is trying to do that. So on your seed corn acres, what were some of the things that you finally did? And, and again, I know that you haven't gotten your, your harvest results yet, but we shared a picture on the Facebook page of some pretty impressive stuff. So kind of walk us through that whole dynamic on the seed side. Well, as I mentioned before, you know, we wanted to make sure that we had enough nutrients in the row. Seed corn production, it's, it's not like you're growing 300 bushel corn. Some of the yields, some of the hybrids only make 80 to 100. The biggest thing with seed corn is pollination. If you don't pollinate correctly, you're going to hurt your yield. Boron definitely helps with pollination and silks. So that was one of the main things I wanted to address. So what we did with boron is that planting, we put on a pint, cultivating, we put on a quart, hilling, we put on two quarts. We had almost 90 to a, almost a whole gallon of boron per acre, yep. you know, out on these, out on some of these fields. Usually in the previous years, we have zipper ears or ears that, that are tipped back or, you know, just not very good pollination. And some of the ears I've noticed this year that I've taken pictures of are, looks like commercial corn. Yeah, it's filled all the way to the tip, you know, and I attribute that to the boron. I've never seen anything like that. So even we even I went to the neighbor's field and pulled a couple of years and and they got tipped back and, you know, shoddy pollination. So I'm just waiting for the results like they they harvested it. I just need to call Pioneer. They need to call us and we usually don't get the results until November to get the yield results. So I'm excited to see how well it was or how good it was. Yeah, that's exciting. I remember when you sent that picture. I was excited for you, but I honestly thought it was just, you know, commercial corn. I thought you were out in, in your field and you're like, check this out. It's like, dude, that's good looking corn. You know, the stalks are still nice and green. The ears look fantastic. And you're like, no, it's seed corn. It's like, holy crap. <laughs> you know, because that's the crazy <laughs> thing about seed corn. Seed corn normally looks like complete garbage, you know, and it's just part of the process, right? So, right. You take, well, you know, even, two, even when the seed corn pickers were picking, you know, they they pick five, six miles an hour. They, they go fast. They got 16 row heads and they just go, they were crawling through the field. Really? You know, three and a half, four miles an hour. So that tells me that they were handling more than they could take and mm-hmm. they had to slow down to process all the grain. So I'm excited. We'll see. I don't, you know, like I said, the combine tells a story and hopefully we'll get some results here soon. 
Yep. Now, real quick, again, I know that you, you just started in on harvest. You know, it's always nice to do yield calculations and grab a bunch of ears and take the rows by the kernels and divide it by this and that. What are your uh, expectations for your commercial corn? Because I know we we're trying to get over a big number. Do we say the, the number that you're trying to get over? It's going to be close. It's going to be real close. So we grow seed corn, right? So Pioneer will give us a PBY. Yep. That will harvest on commercial corn and that will be applied to our seed acres. Yep. So we have this 30 acre field that's it's a really good piece of ground. Yep. And I told dad, I was like, if this is going to be a PBY, we're going to throw the kitchen sink at it. <laughs> yes. So we, every limiting factor that we had, we, we chased. Yep. You know, we fully fed yep. manganese, magnesium, zinc. You know, it got hit three different times. And along with, I think we probably have it over a gallon of boron on that as well. And so, yeah, I pulled some ears and, you know, they're 18 by 45 yep. at 35,000. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it depended on test weight. I think we're going to be really close. The only thing that it was on a gravity field. So we, you know, you got to wait for the corn to get so, so tall before you can hill it and lay the pipe out. It was really dry this spring. So to me, that's the only thing that's going to hold it back. And it showed up in the tissue test. Mm-hmm. It's one of my potassium pulled back because I think it just got a little too dry before we could get the pipe out there. Yep. So that's going to be the only thing that I think hurts me on that field. But there is some of it that is under a pivot. So, so hopefully we'll, we'll see if there's a yield record. between the gravity and the pivot. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's exciting, man. And I am going to throw this out there to everybody that's listening. When you want to talk about how to play the seed game, you can listen to Jerry Cox's podcast that he, he did with Rod. I, I love his story as well, because he did the same thing. It, it was actually raising seed beans for Pioneer, but they did the same thing. You know, they, they use an addendum field, what they called it. But yeah, he went out there and he said, you know what? I'm going to do things. I'm not going to lose money on this deal, but I'm going to make sure that I'm addressing all the limiting nutrients. I'm going to make sure that I'm looking at tissue tests and making sure that we're pushing things all year long. And uh, Jerry's story is absolutely hilarious to listen to because of what he was able to do. You know, when you address those limiting nutrients, you just taking that switch and you're going from 10 to 11 with it, you know, to me, it's pretty cool. The things that we're doing in regards to the things that we do. And and as we kind of wrap up this interview, what would you tell the growers that are listening to this? And they say, you know what? I've been kind of following the Better Way to Farm Facebook page. I listen to some of the podcasts. I really haven't, you know, called or messaged or text or anything like that. What would you say to those growers that are listening? You just got to do this. You got to trust me and and you've got to go and you've got to do this. What are those things? I will say this. Here's how you convinced me is uh, to me, it's about education. If you just allow the co-op to come in and do all the recommendations for you and just apply it and you don't even have to think about it. That's easy. That's the easy way out. If you want to learn and get better and try to push yourself, this is the program that, that you need to be in. And then you can also share this with, with your friends and your friends can get in the program as well and try to help them out. Try to help them attack their limiting factors and see if they can improve their yields. To me, that's, that's what makes it fun for me. That's why I enjoy it. I enjoy talking to people and, and it's just great. I just like it. Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. And 100% of what you just said, it's about helping others. It's not about pushing something or selling products. It's 100% about helping you, helping the neighbor, helping the next guy. And if, if we can all work together to make things better, 
you know, ultimately we're better for it. We've talked a lot about yield and, and how we're trying to increase your yield, but I know that you're a numbers guy as well. And, and I want to touch on this just super quick, but you've even figured out cost of production. And so with taking that input dollar and, and addressing some of these limiting nutrients, things are kind of turning around, things are kind of looking better, but what were you able to do with your cost of production? Lower it by about uh, 30, 40 bucks an acre. Yeah, which is huge, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was, you know, I was spending 70, 80 bucks on dry and then buying the co-op starter. So I was over 100 bucks easy just yeah. on fertility. Now, and that was just NPK. Yeah. Now I'm able to pull that back, you know, 30, 40 bucks an acre, but still address my micronutrients. If, I, mean, I mean, if I was addressing micronutrients with a dry fertilizer program, I'd be over 150 bucks an acre easily just on mm-hmm. fertility. But now I'm able to keep that under 100 or even around 75 or 80, depending on how what my PMK looks like. Yeah. So, and the other side of that is, and this is a story for a different day. And definitely, if you're listening to this, you're going to have to get to a pro ag meeting to figure it out. But there's efficiency in liquid products, right? And the things that we're doing, you're kind of capitalizing on that. So, even if you're a dry program, there's going to be tie up, there's going to be issues that you're going to have trying to get that dry product actually into the plant itself. Again, a story for another day, but but man, I really appreciate your time. We can get this baby wrapped up so you can get back after it and get on to harvest. I know I'm sure dad and uncle and everybody are chomping at the bit to get you back out to the farm. I think dad's called me a few times already, so has he? Well, I'll have to call I'll have to call him real quick. I he's probably surprised he's not sitting there with you. I'm just, I'm sure he'd, uh, we'll have to invite him on to the next podcast. It'll be interesting to listen to Joe speak and <laughs> see what he Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> but Tyler, thank you very much for the time, man. We greatly appreciate the conversation and look forward to seeing you at some of the upcoming events, brother. Sounds good, man. Appreciate it. Yep. So we hope that you enjoyed today's conversation and that we ask that you please review our content and even drop a comment. We also ask that you follow A Better Way to Farm on Facebook and like and share that page with your family, friends, or anyone that you may know that would find value in what we do. We just opened an online apparel store that I just wanted to mention. So get your swag on and show us what you picked up the next time you see it's one of those Pro Ag events. And as always, we hope that you have a better day. Thank you for joining us this week on the A Better Way to Farm podcast. If you found value in this episode, we would appreciate you rating us on iTunes or simply sharing with a friend. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe and tune in next time for serious secrets about profitable farming.